0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Svastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too, buddy. We're going to jump right into topic here, but we want to remind you of practicalshepherding.com. Write us if we can help you in any way. There's plenty of resources that you can uh, access there on the website. And just let us know how we can serve you in whatever way uh, uh, that would be helpful to you. Excuse me. So, Jim, we want to jump right into topic and we want to cover something that is very common when pastors go to new churches, and that is just the unrealistic expectation that so many pastors, often young, you know, their first pastorate they're going in. There's obviously pastors that become pastors later in life, but oftentimes it's guys that are coming straight out of seminary. They have idealized the ministry in some form or fashion, or they have a lot of confidence in their gifts and abilities and how the church just has been missing their ministry and once that happens exactly right it's going to just turn around and again we we appreciate one confidence in one's gifts even more confidence in the lord to work in their church and that's where a lot of that confidence comes from right but as we all know every pastor knows that that's not how it goes just as much as the newly married man or woman uh, gets disappointed that marriage isn't what they thought it was going to be in so many ways. Possibly, <clears throat> possibly. So, you know, Jim, how do we, how should we begin to think about this? We th- when we we want to try to help the either the pastor who's just gone to a church and he's in shock right now, or the guy who's in his last uh, semester at seminary and needs maybe a a bit more of a jolt on the realistic approach he needs to take as he looks for his first church. Um, how should we approach this?
1: Yeah, I think Brian, you ought to have. There's there are realistic expectations and hopes, and and and, and so that's really what we're getting at here. And so some of that's really going to be, you ought to anticipate that the word is going to do something. You ought to anticipate that God's going to be at work, but that does need to be tempered with an understanding of the scriptures and of church history, and and so that by that I I, I mean you use the example of marriage a moment ago and I, I was starting to tell you a story and I said, I'll save it for this. And this is, so this is quickly my story. My somewhat, I, I always call this as my wife somewhat insulting me, but actually she's being very realistic. Uh, often when I do marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, uh, uh, the last thing I will do with a couple is I will, we'll take them out to dinner. My wife and I will take them out to dinner. So my, cause they've been hearing from me for, you know, five weeks or right. whatever. Now they're going to, have a time with my wife, and and my wife almost always says the same thing. when she says, uh, "Best thing I can tell you is lower your expectations." <laughs> you know, so I'm like, "That's her wisdom." Yeah, though. that's her wisdom. I'm like, "Hey, thanks a lot." You know, so and you know and, it's coming. Every yeah, I time, do, right? well, yeah, I do. Well, I do now. I didn't brace, know it the first you, time. You it was it yourself. was one of those like you know he's <laughs> just not all that, and that's an expression she likes. He's just not all that. He's not going to be all that. So I mean, don't expect. He's not going to knock your socks off every time. He's not always going to know what to do. He's not always going to be a great leader. You know, again, yeah. it's just that you're marrying a human. Yeah, that's right. And, and so I think in the same sense, we need to understand that churches are churches. So a mentor of mine said years ago, and it always stuck with me, and it was he shared a conversation he'd had with somebody who said, I just want to pastor a New Testament church. And my mentor said, which one? And he said, "I mean, I'm sure. So which one do you mean, Corinth? the Galatian? The Galatian church? <laughs> you want to pastor the Corinthian church? Do you want to pastor the Laodicean church? Right? Do you want to pastor the Ephesian church? I mean, which church exactly do you want to pastor? And, and, and so, what we're recognizing is that even in the in the midst of the messiness of the grace of God, and what I mean by that is that God saves lowly sinners. God saves people." In, in bondage to all kinds of sin to all manner of um, emotional and mental problems. Uh, it, those are the kinds of people he doesn't save people that have it all together. And so when he when there's a whole group of people like that and they actually get together, uh, it, 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 there's going to be some conflict, and there's going to be some difficulty. Not everybody is going to uh, receive the word with the same readiness and at the same speed. Not everybody, when you you let them know the will of God, not everybody is automatically going to embrace every bit of that the way that you dream of Mm. so that there's the troubled marriage. So you do a five-part series on marriage, and at the end of it, they're like, they're still fighting? uh but i preached on that yeah, i i can remember that i can remember that feeling like whoa, whoa, wait a minute I, I i preached on that why why aren't they implementing this why why isn't that dad doing what i i just gave three messages on child rearing and it's like i never even said it and
0: and, and so and, and by the way you saying that and we're kind of being being uh snarky about it the, the reality is we've, we've heard that a bunch through the years from pastors. like That's a legitimate grievance. Well, I'm, just, I'm being of, biographical. I've preached on this. Why being, is this still uh, a problem in my church? Right, right.
1: <laughs> uh, but I preached a sermon on that, and, and, and we expect that...
0: To be over and done with. So Jim, what you're saying is the way we're gonna bless pastors listening to this is to help lower their expectation, just like your wife's advice was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're talking lower about? Lower
1: your here? <laughs> expect you know, don't lower your don't lower your confidence in the word of God. Right. Don't lower your confidence in the sanctifying power of the Spirit. But understand in the scriptures and in church history how that's worked out. I mean sometimes I think we can even we can have this idea and maybe it's based sometimes in church history or it's based on books that we've read um often by guys who weren't actually pastors for very long you know the 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 i i i'll stop right there
0: yeah because uh, they're naming names right
1: you know i wrote a book on how to do a church and i was a pastor for six months and then i became a seminary professor anyway um you you have to have the you you read this stuff and like oh Edwards came in well remember what happened at Edwards Church remember Calvin got booted out you know remember that the, you remember that in in all of these places there was not just like the you know you read Spurgeon and you think man I want to have a church like Spurgeon and there was a lot of good things that happened there but it was a real church mm-hmm. and, and and there were discipline problems and there were. Uh, disappointments, and and there were failures, and not everything he anticipated and hoped for happened. A few years ago, I I had a situation where uh, I had somebody uh, on their way out of the church, and they sat down with the elders and, and, and read us the riot act about how badly we had failed and uh in in the situation cuz the situation didn't resolve itself we yeah. didn't you know w- there was a problem in the church and and you sought to address it and it didn't work out you know and this was the accusation. so therefore we were unqualified to be pastors okay. and i told a story and it's a true story and uh it's a story about a man who had pastored a church for 3 years so he had and it was a small church or small gathering is a small group of of, of Um, There was a dozen that were there in the congregation. He'd been there for three years. He had uh, poured his soul out to them. He had preached excellent, faithful messages. At the end of that three years, that congregation was marked by pride and bickering. And this is a true story. One of the members of that church killed himself after after, uh, becoming demon-possessed, literally demon-possessed. And, and the question I asked, you know, was that, was that man a bad pastor? Because the result, the fruit of his ministry after three years was a lot of pride, a lot of division, a lot of unbelief, and a demon-possessed member that committed suicide. Well, that, that pastor was Jesus, who had 12 disciples, and one of them turned out to be a, a mm. devil. Mm. And, and you don't look at that and go like, well, wow, you know, what well, was his ministry ineffectual? Was the word of God without power? Be, uh, was it that he didn't do a good enough job loving them and coming alongside them? And, we, and we've talked about this a lot, Brian, that sometimes there's there's disappointment and then there's sometimes guilt, or there's sadness and sorrow that things aren't. And sometimes you think to yourself, well, if I were a better pastor, if I were a more loving shepherd, if I just preached better, if I had said this and not that, then everybody in the church would be doing well, and they'd all be prospering, and, and they'd all be rocketing toward sanctification. And we've already brought this up that which church in the New Testament does that describe? I right. mean, and we are talking about churches that were pastored by Paul and by Peter and by John and by Titus and by Timothy. And all of them had struggles and troubles and problems because Wait. Jesus. Having begun a good work, hasn't finished that good work. Well,
0: yet. you think about the Corinthian church too. I mean, as the example everybody loves to point to as the, just the biggest mess, you know, in the New Testament. But you you have Paul that opens that letter with "I see evidences of grace mm-hmm. in you," and yet then spends most of the letter addressing what are some horrific things that are going on in that in that particular church. And so, uh, you, you bring up several interesting points, but I think well as we're talking about you know this idea of wanting to have a realistic expectation is really what we're talking about. Not not doubting God's work and His Word and the power of the Word and the Spirit's work and all those things, but what we want to address is and really a, an idealistic approach to, to church ministry that that just is not is not uh, found is not grounded is not realistic, and it's also not grounded in the work that God. Uh, is going to choose to do to your point. It the way God wants to work in a church may be very different than what we understand it's mm-hmm. supposed to look like. So it's almost like I watch a lot of young pastors take their first church, and they set themselves up for failure in uh, in a in a terrible way. It's kind of a a perfect storm because it's I go in with this I, idealistic idea of what I want to see happen in the church, and then it, a lot of times it's an unbiblical. Uh, it's an unbiblical view of the results that you're going to see. So right. first example, somebody who goes in and says, okay, within the first five years, I want our church to numerically grow from this to this. Right. I'm in Southern Baptist circles, Jim. That is still a really common way to, to determine the fruit of your ministry that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that is just a recipe for disappointment and a, a letdown because we are not only setting a high bar whatever that is potentially an unrealistic expectation right. we're measuring it in a way that that God doesn't measure it in my in my opinion so you know we're we're already so this the five-year rule that, that people know me to to have be talked about a lot that it takes five years to establish yourself in a church to really become the pastor where your ministry really starts to, can start to flourish and when the average stay of a pastor is three to four years and then they leave and go to the next place mm-hmm. you know, then that's a problem in a lot of ways, but I would I would say the result of the average stay being less than five years is what we're talking about. It's because mm-hmm. guys will go in and have that combination of, one, an unrealistic expectation of what they want to see and what the results of fruitful ministry actually looks like. And when both of those are, n- are not in line with the way that God works, it's
1: kind of a recipe for disaster, wouldn't you say? I agree. Uh, and... I think again, Brian. You have what you call, you know, unbiblical expectation or extra biblical, extra, you know, which is that the church is going to grow, things. or this many people are going to be converted. Or the church is going to grow, going to have this many baptisms. You're not promised any of that. But sometimes, Brian, what we're dealing with is like, why well, I don't feel like the word is the word either is not doing as much as I want. I mean, that that's very often the case. That's not the case in our own lives, too. Right. Uh, or the Word's not doing anything. And I think that's where you want to say, like, there are realistic expectations. Like, uh, uh, there's a difference between saying that I've got a guy in my church who is struggling with anger and with lust versus i got a guy in my church who is an adulterer, Seeing prostitutes, and you know, on the one hand, you say, on the one case, you say, "Listen, that's sin that needs to be addressed," but it's within the purview of of a converted person. Yeah. And the other is that ha- that has to be discipline. And so, I so I, I don't want to make it clear that I'm not saying just turn a blind eye to everything, and that every gross excess of sin yeah. is to be turned a blind eye to. But when you, my point is that when you when you read the New Testament. Did you see the exhortations in the New Testament? So one of my favorite ones recently that I've been meditating on is in 1 Thessalonians five, when where Paul ends a series of exhortation toward you know, comforting the weak, coming uh, uh, confront the unruly, comfort the weak, and uh, strengthen the frightened, or whatever exactly how it goes. But then he says, "And be patient with all," mm-hmm. and and then you you know, love is patient. Paul says love is kind and then you have the repeated exhortations bear with one another in love you know those kinds of things and that's a recognition that wow okay Paul was dealing with a lot of <laughs> um, people in church that required a lot of patience yeah, the church. And, and so it's one of the most it's one of the most important it's the first thing he says about love love is patient you're going to love your congregation you need to be patient with your congregation yeah yeah and, and that means bearing with them over the long haul. And what you're bearing with are faults and foibles, uh, blots and blemishes, uh, and, and in some cases real sin that needs to be confronted and with the recognition that not everybody changes the very first time that they hear the word. Mm. Uh, and And that not everybody has explosive growth when they are finally, you know, um, getting, maybe you're the first pastor they've ever had that's really preaching the word, and that's really loved them, it's really shepherded them. And you ought to do that with hope that God's going to own this and God's going to bless us, but he's going to bless it over a long period of time. And that even in the lives of people where he's blessing that word, it doesn't mean absolute conformity or perfect right. conformity to every single thing that you yeah. you teach about. Yeah. And so you need to know that about yourself you know, you want people to be patient with you. You're an imperfect pastor. You're an imperfect pastor pastoring imperfect people on their way to perfection. Uh, and and if you and if you again, you think to yourself, no. If if I bring the word, and this is what I thought, Brian, when I came in, that if I will do, if I will be faithful, and if I will love these people, and if I will give them the word, then we are going to be spared many things in this congregation there's not going to be division people are going to they're going to know to love each other they're going to learn to patiently deal with each other Uh, and and we went through a fairly long period where we kind of had a protective bubble because i was a church planter and everybody was zealous and excited on the same page doctrinally and all the rest and a lot of them you know had gotten to know each other over a long period of time and I can remember the first times of of recognizing and realizing that, oh, I'm dealing with the kind of stuff that, wow, the apostles had to deal with or that Jesus had to deal with, and that is that um churches have issues, that people have long-standing issues. so that when Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said things like, "Let him who stole steal no longer." And it's like, is that hypothetical? Yeah, it wasn't hypothetical. It wasn't like oh, I don't have anything to write about. Oh, I'll just throw this out. Maybe someday somebody, you know, like he know, in the been, culture, he'd, he'd but he'd not been been in in the church. Yeah, yeah right, right. right. Uh, or you know, Paul says to the to Titus, you know, Cretans are always, you know, idle, be lazy, lazy gluttons, gluttons and yeah. whatever. And he said this testimony is true. Yeah. Therefore, reprove them. You know that you have to address that. That it didn't mean they weren't saved. They were saying, but they were Cretans. They so, were they had had a they Cretan culture. So I appreciate you mentioning that because it
0: is there's something that else I wanted to say in regard to this. That one of the reasons that a new pastor gets kind of shocked and his and jolted back to reality. We underestimate how dark sin shows up in people's mm. lives, mm. and I think that that's the other reason why. Uh, we want to be able to talk about something like this. It's not just about, oh, I, I want to see this many conversions, and we don't see it, and I'm disappointed. That That's one version of it. But the other thing that I have found that really can deeply affect a pastor is he had no—I mean, he didn't have a category for this man in the church would actually go and cheat on his wife. Right. Not and, that guy. And and, and he, this person he, yeah. he didn't, this person, he had no idea that they could— they could do this, or, or you know, the I had no, I, I hadn't even think about that. This, this person could ab- abuse multiple children. I mean, just yeah. there's a darkness to sin that exists in the church, yeah. and a lot of times we kind of want to put our head in the sand because we don't, we don't want to deal with it. One, and two, you know, when we think about our, you know, quote unquote reputations, what people say about us in our church. Yeah. The dark, scandalous sins of First Corinthians, you know, yeah. are 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 things that are hard to to accept and deal with, and they certainly can f- make it feel like it cancels out any of the evidences of grace that exist. Right,
1: in the and sometimes when those kinds of sins are exposed in a church, our temptation is to think, "Oh, they didn't have faithful pastors; that there wasn't sound doctrine being preached there. Yeah. It was a distorted gospel being preached there." And I'm telling you that 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 yes, that is sometimes the case. But there was a there was a demon possessed man that killed himself under the ministry of Jesus. You know there there was um there was there were guys who fought over who was the greatest under the ministry of Jesus. Uh, that Paul preached at the Corinthian church and 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 Barnabas preached and Peter preached at that church. There was no lack of sound doctrine or powerful preachers or men of integrity leading that church, and yet a man had his father's wife. Yeah. You know, so under the best ministries, under the greatest truths, uh, you, you, again we can think to ourselves, no, well, that's not going to happen here. It's not right. going to happen with me. We're a confessional church. I'm a man of. I'm going to be a man of integrity. I'm going to be a man of affa- affections, and and the result of that will be, and, and you might have an idea. You yeah, know, well, they're going to not going to be perfect, but. I am going to produce. I am going to produce. Yeah. And you and you touched on this, Brian, at the beginning, and the idea that some people have had. And and there's a reason you say it, and the reason I've said it, because we've seen it in guys' lives. It's usually not stated explicitly, but like I am what has been missing in church history, you yeah. know. And, and um, I had a, I had a guy I helped mentor a little bit the other day who contacted me and. He was having some struggle in the church plant that he's in, and he said, "I, I got to confess, you know. I thought I'm going to do this better than Jim, and uh, the problems <laughs> I saw at RBC, you know, we're not going to have. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it better. And then, you know, there it was, because it's because it's church, and churches are made up of of of, of sinners uh, in in. It doesn't mean Jesus hasn't begun a good work. It just means He hasn't finished that good work.
0: I have a friend of mine who mentors a lot of young guys through the years, and uh, he is eager to continue to have ministry conversations with them. He has them in their church, and and of course, some of these guys are, are they're young, ambitious, and idealistic, and they would really press him on, you know, this, you know, this is a mess. Like you need to fix this. This needs to be better than you know that it is, and. And of course, there's times where this pastor would would agree with him, but there are times, and he was kind of famously known for this. After he'd go round and round with them a bit, he'd look at him and of course, these are guys that are adamantly, you know, pushing him on things that and had never pastored a day in their life. Right. And he would just, and not all guys can pull this off, but trust me, this guy could. <laughs> he would look at them and say, "I tell you what, um, I'm going to end the conversation, but I want you to tuck this away in your memory." After you've pastored for fifteen years, come back and let's finish this conversation. Right, and of course, now that sounds kind of snark, snarky right. and condescending. Yep, yep, yep. I get it, but the point still is made, and that's you know there are certain things, and most pastors listening to this are going to relate to that. Uh, they, we've all kind of had to adjust our expectations around when we start to experience the ugliness of sin, the disappointment and the discouragement of not seeing the word do what we want we want to see it do, right. even though God's doing what he wants to do with it. Right. So uh, Jim, any final word on a, a pastor who's maybe even in this place, he's kind of starting to realize, okay, I'm discouraged because I kind of went into this idealistic what would where does he go from here?
1: All right, so I want to quote I want to quote two things. One scripture and the other is a guy named Brian Croft. Okay. So Uh-oh. scripture, first Corinthians fifteen, fifty eight. Start with important. the most important, thank you. I guess yeah. absolutely <laughs> And I maybe add to that Galatians six. Uh, Galatians six says, "Don't grow weary in doing what's good. Good, yeah. For in due time you will reap, if you do not lose heart." Mm-hmm. The other is 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable. immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in not vain in, vain. in yep. the Lord. Yep. And the reason it's not in vain in context is because Christ is risen, yeah. and Jesus is going to Jesus is going to do something in your church, and one day in your church with all church, He's going to present it to the Father without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That's a good word. Um, C.S. Lewis once said, oh, "I." I I, I broke in. I was going to give Scripture and Brian Croft. No, no, three. C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis next. said something once to the effect of that if we could see now the the lowliest, or I think he used the word meanest, the meanest saint, what they will be, we would be tempted to worship them. Hmm. So that struggler, that one guy who you, you roll your eyes at more than any other in your church, if you could see what Jesus is going to make him, if, you could, if that could be presented to you right now, you'd be tempted to worship him. Yeah. But Brian Croft said one time, I'm really nervous no, no, Brian, now because I really,
0: nothing I said is going to match anything you just said. So.
1: <laughs> it's not, but it was all right. And I've quoted it before. Just because the Word of God is 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 powerful doesn't mean it always works quickly. Yeah, right. And I think that's close enough to yeah. um, give that a a, a BC um, <laughs> uh, quotation there. But nope. that, that's a good thing to remember.
0: No, that's good. So let me take a minute and just just pray for. We want to pray for young pastors and even uh, men who are about ready to go into this, if we can somehow set a realistic but hopeful expectation is really what we want to do. So let me pray a minute for that. Lord, we're grateful that for the men you're calling to lead your church and those who you have a call in their life, maybe they haven't found that post yet, and that will happen soon. We ask that you would just help them to find the balance of a, not just a realistic approach so they won't be disappointed, but... a a biblical understanding of what they should expect you to do, and trust that you do different things in different churches and remind them of their task, their role is to preach your word and love and shepherd your people well, and that you will do with that church whatever you want. And we pray, Lord, you would help each each pastor listening, uh, each one of us doing ministry in your name, that you would help us uh, to be realistic, uh, to know that Uh, sin is very dark in how it shows up in all of our lives at different times. But we know we have the hope of Christ, so help us, Lord, to be hopeful Mm -hmm. in all things, hopeful in what we want to see you do. And we ask, Lord, you would answer our prayers. You give us the desires of our heart as long as they would align with your will. And we Mm -hmm. pray this in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.